Okay, so Shalom Ubrach, everybody. It's good to be back. We are now going to hopefully finish up the Kutim Ran lesson 205 after what we went through last week in explaining a type of like a code that Rabbi Nachman has put in the specific order of the 10 chapters of the 10 types of song, right? That why they're placed in that order specifically and what they correspond to. So we went into that last week. At this point now, we're going to conclude the, the last piece from this lesson 205. All this, of course, Rav Nosin is writing, right? This is where Rav Nosin writing this. It could be right while Rabbi Nachman was alive or after he passed away. More seemingly before Rabbi Nachman passed away. So we're finishing this off. And Bezat Hashem, uh, with this we'll continue, we'll, we'll complete lesson 205. But then this lesson is continued in a second lesson in part 2 of Likutei Moran, lesson 92, which is really the last official lesson of book 2 of Likutei Moran. It's, it's amazing. He finishes it off. Rav Nosen finishes off Likutei Moran part 2 with the idea of the 10 types of song. What we're going to see here, or this little paragraph here, is the power of the Tikkun a reminder of the power but we're going to just expand it a little bit so if you're using this edition, the BRI edition right, so we're on page 40 of volume 11 okay, this is the last little piece of lesson 205, so he says like this, that Rav Nosen is quoting Rabbi Nachman and Rabbi Nachman, in addition, said the following. He said, "She'elu ha'asara kapitel tehilim." Rabbi Nachman said that these ten chapters of tehilim, these specific ones that he revealed, right? He went in 15, uh, 15, uh, 16, 32, 41, 42, 59, 77, 90, 105, 137, 150, which we went into last class. His wording is very powerful. He says these ten specific chapters are a major, major, big time rectification for, God forbid, a nocturnal emission, which, like we mentioned in the beginning, according to Halacha, is considered to be possibly one of the worst sins. The worst blemishes is the blemish of an emission. Okay, and then in Torah standards, it's the worst sexual transgression, and in general, sexual transgressions are very severe. You know, the, in, uh, there's some which are high of karet, excision by heaven, some which are high of mita from Beit Din, if there was a Beit Din today. Okay, it's considered severe. This is the worst wasting seed where the energy of a human is wasted and goes to the other side and this being a cause of major destruction. Recently, I don't know why I'm doing this, but recently I'm reconnecting with uh, teenage friends and friends I grew up with like as a child back in Toronto. And these are, these are kids who didn't necessarily continue like I did into yeshiva or whatever. 
they went into university, became lawyers, doctors, whatever. And it's scary, the ratio, how much have divorced, how much our families divorced. It's like not half-half. It's like from every four people I speak to, three of them are divorced. And it's sad, number one. And I see what people have gone through. These are people I didn't speak to for like over 30 years. Over 30 years, I haven't spoken to them. Because I went on my path, they went on their path. We didn't speak. What can we do? It didn't work out. It wasn't the same interest. I had an interest in pursuing Torah and Yiddishkeit more. And they had a different interest in going to get a profession, university, which is understand, understand, understandable, understood in, in North American society. But when I hear the, the marital problems that, 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 that have been occurring... You know, and it's sad. Divorces, children raised of single parents and everything. And it's something so common. It's like not 50-50 anymore. It's like maybe 80% to, to 20. You begin to wonder, what's going on here? And Rabbi Nachman makes it sound, like the Zohar also, that any sexual transgressions caused, they cause damage in the world. It's damage. It's like damaging. It's ruining. And this is why Rabbi Nachman revealed a way to rectify this thing at its source because if this is rectified if there's a balance you know in the world to counter the imbalance due to sexual transgressions this can bring real harmony this is why again Rabbi Nachman said go out to the world and reveal the Tikkun HaKlali it's amazing Rabbi Nachman didn't say this about anything else Rabbi Nachman said to spread about coming to him on Rosh Hashanah, to those people who respect Rabbi Nachman. He said that those people who are sar lemishmati, those people who listen to me, tell them about the idea of Rosh Hashanah. You know, the other teachings of Rabbi Nachman are not like to go out to the, tell the world. But the Tikkun Akali, Rabbi Nachman said emphatically, go out and spread it to the world. Even people who are not connected to Breslin, even people who are not like in the fold of Hasidut, spread this teaching because of its far-reaching ramifications. It's so far. He says, look what he says here. It is a major, major ramification for this, the damage done by nocturnal emissions and emissions in general, God forbid. It's a major rectification for that and automatically for anything under, underneath. If it fixes, fixes this problem, so automatically it fixes things which are less than that. That's the whole idea. Okay? <coughs> but Rabbi Nachman's going in the, in, in the line, he's continuing with what, what uh, uh, specifically about the nocturnal emission. Let, let's continue. Let's see what Rav Nosson adds and other points from Sichot Haran, Rabbi Nachman's wisdom. So he goes on here. Um, pardon? Jews as well as non Jews? <laughs> it's funny. I don't know. But. There are non-Jews saying the Tikkun Klali. <laughs> there are non-Jews who respect it and believe it. I would think like this. Let, let's think about this for a second. The generation of the flood. This is before Judaism. The generation of Noah is before Judaism, before a Torah was revealed. There was Noah who was learning Torah personally. Okay, there was Metushelach. There was Adam and Shet, etc. Tzadikim, who were learning Torah, okay, minimal. But the generation of the flood was punished. And they weren't Jews. They weren't learning Torah. 
But the Torah gives the reason why they were punished. What's the reason? For all flesh spilled their seed on the earth. In other words, for this sin of wasted seed, the generation of the flood was destroyed. And you begin to wonder, but they're not Jews. And yet they're being punished for this. To show you that yes, it seems, damage is caused even when a Gentile, even when a Goy has wasted seed. There's damage done, even by their, their side. So if that's the case, it seems, again, this is not written anywhere, but this is just from Svara, from what we think, it would seem that re- recitation of 10 Psalms possibly can help even a Gentile. You would think, a Gentile, okay, fine. What does his deeds have ramifications? So the answer is, in this area, it would seem from the Torah that there's ramifications of destruction from wasted seed, from sexual transgressions by everybody. Don't forget that a Gentile is required to follow the seven laws of Noah. One of the, a few of them being related to sexual sexuality, adultery, incest. From the Shivat Mitzvah B'nai Noach, they have laws relating to sexuality. When you say it's a law, that means if it's transgressed, they're going to have to pay the price. So now if, again, like Rabbi Nachman's rule, if you believe you can damage, believe you can fix. So if damage does exist even by the side of a Gentile, so we have to believe with this rule, whether Jew or Gentile, that also it can be fixed. There can be rectification. Okay? Also, when it brings about, the, the, the Gemara brings about Nevuzaradan. Nevuzaradan was the chief officer for Nebuchadnezzar, who was in charge of meeting out the killing of the Jews in Eretz Yisrael, in Yerushalayim specifically. And he killed so many Jews. If you remember the story in the Gemara, he killed so many. And then he woke up after, after having killed so many Jews and pouring their blood over the blood of Zechariah, who was a prophet and a Kohen. If you remember the story in the Gemara, his blood was bubbling in the temple. It was on the floor. It was Yom Kippur. The, the, the Kohanim killed Zechariah because he was rebuking them to stop their idol worship and their falsehood, etc. They didn't listen to him. They killed him on Yom Kippur and it was also on Shabbat. And the blood was bubbling on the floor. And when Nebuzaradan came into the temple, it was still bubbling. So he slaughtered hundreds of thousands of Jews to avenge this blood. He understood why it was bubbling, that the blood wanted to be avenged. The blood of this tzaddik needed to be avenged. Okay? So he kept on slaughtering and slaughtering and slaughtering. And then he said, Nebuzaradan afterwards cried out to the blood, as if to, to, to Zechariah, it's not enough? You want me to wipe out the whole Jewish nation? Only then you'll be pacified? When he said that, the blood stopped bubbling. And Nebuzaradan woke up. He says, if this is what happens, you know, for one Jewish soul, that so I that killed hundreds of thousands of Jews, what's waiting for me? So he took off, converted, converted, and was forgiven. In other words, there was damage done, but there was also rectification to fix that. His conversion fixed the damage. So what you see from this, that even by a Gentile, does exist, it seems, seemingly from the Torah, exists the concept of fixing damage done. It's not just a Jewish concept of tikkun, but even for a Gentile, it seems, seemingly, 
tikkun is necessary and yes, beneficial. So it seems that even a, a goy who does say the tikkun akali does accomplish something. Rectification to a certain level, God will at least at least something to be to be fixed. Because again, if damage is caused, so there has to be equilibrium. If damage can be done, so automatically fixing also can be done. Why? Why only on one side? Why is it only negative and, and damaging and nothing positive? There has to be. Hashem is compassionate. Hashem's compassion is on all of His creations, all of His creatures. So there has to be room for benefit to fix at least equal to the damage caused. So that's what it seems, okay? So going back, he says again that there are big rectification, and he goes on to what we spoke about in the beginning of this lesson. And whoever merits saying them, reciting the ten, recitation, all you need is to say the words. He doesn't say, and to focus on the meaning of the words, and to concentrate, just to say them, period. Whoever, and whoever merits saying them on the same day, like we explained earlier, the same day of having the mission, we went through this a lot already, <coughs> why Rabbi Nachman stresses so much on the same day, because it's fresh, it's easier to rectify, and we asked, how about if it's not the same day, how, how about God forbid if it's not unintentional, it's actually masturbation, it's actually intentional, can it be fixed? We went into this in detail, that it seems that yes, it, in all scenarios, this can be fixed, but tshuva is necessary. Tshuva meaning, the essence of tshuva, like the Rambam says, regret, charata. If there's no regret, then how, how could the rectification work if you don't have regret? Tshuva is necessary. We went into that, we're not going to go into that again. But he says, whoever has, in this case, an, an unintentional nocturnal emission, whoever merits to say them on the same day, his wording is strong. He doesn't, such a person, does not have to be afraid one, at all, any longer, at all, from the damage caused, the unbelievable damage, because again, we said in the, quoting the Zohar, major damage is caused in the world from this, of the nocturnal emission, God forbid. We said in the Zohar, if you remember, that basically the Zohar says anything bad happening in the world, anything, is issued through the damaging demons created by the wasted seed. Can you believe that? Everything happening in the world, everything, these plagues, the problems on a national level, on a personal level, on a, on a Jewish level, whatever level, everything is rooted, everything is rooted from, from from the Mazike Alma, these damaging, destroying demons and forces created by wasted seed. Can you believe that? So he says here, you don't have to be afraid again at all. It's totally fixed. Here, Kibevadai, his wording is strong. Ibn Nachman's word is strong. Kibevadai nit taken al Because definitely, definitely it was rectified. Rabbi Nachman's like so sure. It has been definitely rectified by saying these ten chapters. So just... Does it matter? Pardon? Sorry, does it matter the language you say it in? I can't hear you. Does it matter the language which you say it in? It's preferable to say it in Hebrew, obviously. It, it seems to be preferable because the, the power of the Holy Tongue is associated with the Tikkun Akali. 
it is associated, the power of the, of the actual Hebrew words, because there's so many secrets in the Hebrew letters, Mi'ichtam, Le David. Okay, you lose that out in the translation. There's no more Mem, Chav, Tav, Mem, when you say the English translation. It seems good, the English translation, but again, it's a translation. When making a translation, the translator can use many types of words to express the idea. In Hebrew also, King David could have used different words to express the idea. He chose specifically those letters and those words because there is holy secrets, holy combinations in the rectification found in the Hebrew language. So it seems, it seems it would be preferable to say it in Hebrew. Those people who have, what's it called again, transliteration? We can read in English, Mi'ichtam le'david, that would be preferable. And that's what it seems, okay? So now, people ask, you know, if it's so damaging, how could something so simple as saying Psalms rectify this? <laughs> you would think if it's so damaging, like the like the Zohar says, and like the, the Midrash says, and like the Torah says, that the generation of the flood was mainly due to this, to this blemish, because of, of spilling the seed. So you would think that major, major rectification is needed. Because there's, there's always a rule. There's a rule that anything that passed through fire, to get it out, you have to go through fire again. In other words, enough pain matching and, 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 and energy which was used in doing the blemish, at least that much is needed to rectify it. So you would think, how can 10, just saying, saying 10 chapters of Tehillim be strong enough to rectify this? Rabbi Nachman says this in, 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 in Sichot Haran, Rabbi Nachman's wisdom, that this itself is an obstacle. When people don't believe that something so simple can fix something so severe, this itself already is the obstacle in saying them. What? You're going to tell me saying 10 chapters can be far-reaching? And the answer is yes. And the Torah itself, Rabbi Nachman brings the example of the chief officer from Assyria who got inflicted with leprosy, right? And who's trying all types of remedies, all types of things to do to, to heal the, the, the leprosy. Nothing was working. So his soldiers were told by a Jewish captive girl, you know, if you go to the land of Israel, to the land of Shomron, to the land of, 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 the, of the ten tribes, there's a holy man named Elisha, and he can help you. He's a proven miracle worker and a healer. So he listened. He traveled all the way to Israel with his entourage and carriages and everything and soldiers. And he came to Elisha and he said, what do I do about my leprosy? So he told him, dunk seven times in the Jordan River. So he heard this. He cracked up. He said, what? I came all the way here? I thought he was going to give me all types of complex remedies and medicines and things what to do that take time and energy and effort. And now he's telling me just to dunk seven times in Jordan River. We have better rivers than these where I come from. We have the Euphrates River, the Parpar. He mentions all types of rivers that he had in his homeland. So he's on his way to leave. His soldiers said, listen, he's a man of God. What does it hurt listening to him? If he said to do it, Try it. So he listened. He dunked the first time in the Jordan River. Nothing. 
second, and he's beginning to doubt, is this really going to work? After the seventh time, he was totally healed from the leprosy. Totally healed, right? <coughs> so Rabbi Nachman brings this down to show that again, a person thinks that the advice that Sadiqim reveal to rectify, it has to be hard, it has to be difficult, it has to be with pain and struggle. He says sometimes, and many times, like in this case, an advice that a tzaddik reveals could be so simple, so easy. And that itself is the test. You don't believe what something so simple can fix something far-reaching. The answer is yes. How could it be? It can be because a tzaddik already worked super-duper hard to just prepare the re- remedy. All that's needed is you just to put it in your mouth. That's it. Everything is ready. All you need to do is to take the medication, which is no no effort at all. Take it, put it in your mouth, and it's going to do the wonder works. It's going to do the job. That's the, that's the unbelievable thing here. So this, by the way, this is one of the biggest secrets that Rabbi Nachman revealed. And he hinted that because of revealing it, his struggle was reflected, and revealing it was reflected in the price, the price that he paid. He lost his wife early. He lost four kids he himself passed away at age 38, and he indicated that it was through all the secrets that he's revealing, and this one being one of the biggest secrets that he revealed is the power of the Tikkun Aklali, which again makes so, makes so much sense why he said, go and reveal this gift to the world, because it's a gift. It's literally a gift of saying 10 chapters, and it can fix so much. The ramifications are super far-reaching. Now we said earlier also, Rav Nossin has a discourse based on this lesson, a very beautiful discourse. It's called the Laws of Marriage, the Laws of you know permissible marriages. What type a Kohen? What type of woman is he allowed to marry? What type is a Jew forbidden to marry? All those. It's called the Laws of Ishut in the section of Eben Ezer. Rav Nossin has a beautiful discourse on this concept of the ten types of song, the Tikkun Aklali. And he shows that it's not just for Pagama Brit, it's not just for sexual transgressions, it's not just for wasted seed, but it's for everything. It's to help a person realign, realign himself with Hashem, to reboot and realign to get a fresh start in life. He teaches, he shows it in, in, in a span of over 20 paragraphs, how far-reaching the ten types of song, when activated by saying the ten psalms, which reflect, represent, contain within them the ten types of song, by you activating them, by just saying them, just saying them, even in monotone, even not singing them, you're not singing the ten types of song, you're saying, you're articulating the ten types of song, it's enough to realign a person, to reboot and reconnect a person that he can be open to hear the word of Hashem. Because of that, it's not written anywhere in Breslov literature, but it's an accepted minha custom to say them every day. Because lo- logically, you have to be stupid. You have a gold mine in front of you. You have to be stupid not to say them. You're going to benefit so much by saying them. So because of that, it's stressed to say them every day because of the unbelievable benefits that they can do. Okay, yeah, it's 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 an it's an amazing job there, right? Now we said there's levels. One second, there's levels. 
in that, the saying Tikkun Aklali, you know, God forbid, on a day that a person has an emission, the saying Tikkun Aklali, like we said, every day, and there's this special thing of saying the Tikkun Aklali by Rabbi Nachman's grave. You see, of all things, he singled out this idea. He's, he made a promise, an oath, that anybody who comes to his grave in Uman, in the Ukraine, and says these specific ten chapters, he will span the breadth of creation to help a person and rectify everything, all damage done, no matter where he may be punished to, if he's going to be sent to the lowest levels of hell, whatever, he, Rabbi Nachman, will pull that person out by his pace, he said. He'll pull him out by his pace. In other words, that, that, that person he will take out, no matter how severe the damage done. Again, showing the power of Tikkun Akali plus Rabbi Nachman's grave. We went into that. That that possibly is the rectification for when he, when he spoke here about unintentional nocturnal emission. And intentional, it would seem that this is what's needed to also say the Tikkun Akali by Rabbi Nachman's grave. Recently I heard a class from Rabbi Rav Nosen Maimon, which you all know. Rav Nosen Maimon, a major, a major figure in Breslov, in the English world of Breslov. So he told over the story of his, his first trip to Uman in the 1970s. He was only 16 years old. Okay? And he said that him with two other guys, they got to Rabbi Nachman's grave, and they had an hour. And he said that in an hour... He was able to say 15 times the Tikkun Aklali. He was able to say it 15 times. He said it once for himself, and then he started saying it for other, for his parents, for friends, etc. For people who asked them, asked him to daven for them. And when he came back to America, excited, and Rabbi Rosenfeld, his, his father-in-law, and his, the, his person who brought him into Breslev, he said, did you say the Tikkun Aklali? So Rav Nosen Maimin excited, he said, yes, I said it 15 times. So Rav Rosenfeld waved his hand, no, no, no. Did you say the Tikkun Aklali? And he got what he said, he said, yes. He said, you gave the, the coin to charity, because Rabbi Nachman said, to come to his grave, give a coin to charity in his memory, and to say these 10 chapters, and that a person should have regret not to, to repeat their sin, not to take, take upon, to take upon themselves not to repeat the sin, okay? So he said, you did all these things? He said, yes. He said, wow. And Rav Nosen Maimon pointed out, he wasn't impressed how many times he said the Tikkun Aklali. Just once was enough. Did you say the Tikkun Aklali? Don't, don't give me, I said it 15 times. That's one thing. But did you say it? The initial one, that's what the concern is here. Did you say it the first time? You're in. As if to say, once you say it, once there, you're in the ball game. That's why it's so important that a person should do their maximum do their best, a lot of yearning, a lot of davening, to yes, get to Uman, to say at least once in their lifetime, the Tikkun Aklali, because it seems that's enough for a person to have this special protection and promise to help them, no matter what they may have done in their lifetime, to help them from that point onward to have rectification activated and done, Bezatashem. Okay, you had a question, Mr. Ken. Yeah, I just want to ask you, if I'm saying it for someone else, for example, uh, my, my son, my daughter, whatever, the right. other son, does it work for them too? Because they seem so far away from the <coughs> because of their uh, background with what they're doing with 
I'm divorced. Right. They're living with the ex. So I can't get them to even want to listen. Right, right. So if I, I say it for them, would that benefit? Would that work? Listen, there's a rule. There's a rule from the Zohar. The Zohar says, Late re'uta tava de'it avid. There is no good desire that's ever lost. There's no good action that's lost. Meaning what? Anytime you do a gesture of something positive and good connected to Hashem, it has some impact. It has some impact. It doesn't go to waste. Most people say, oh, all my davening, it just went down the drain. I was davening for this person to live and they died. What happened to all those prayers? I was davening so many years to have children. Where did all those prayers go to? When people like they express, well, I, I gave up on Hashem. You know, I, I put my trust in Him, I invested, and I gave up. I remember meeting somebody, a friend. God forbid. God forbid. I had a friend as a teenager. You know, he started up religious and everything, but he had a hard life. His mother died when he was young. You know, so he grew up. He had, he had his teenage years without a mom. So his father remarried. It was hard. It was it wasn't so easy with the new mother and everything, with the stepmother. And he was trying religion. And then I got to see him a few years later. His kippah was off, and he said, "I I gave Hashem a chance. I gave God a chance, but you know, it didn't work out. I gave Hashem a chance. Judaism a chance, right? So people they feel I invested. I invested. Where did it go?" The Zohar says, whenever you do a good gesture, it's never lost. Where did it go? Or it's on the side, accumulating for that salvation. You have to keep on davening and keep on doing good. Or Hashem's going to take it and use it for something which in His eyes is much greater. You don't know. That's not your cheshbon. You're doing something good. You have a good intent. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're doing something, saying tikkun aklali for, for, for members of the family, for children and everything. That's something amazing. That's something that it seems could have eventually a ramification, can brush off and have an influence. We don't know. We don't know. But now, where did that, where did that good go in the meantime? It's there. It's not wiped out. Where it's going to be used out? We don't know how Hashem's going to work out things. He says, for example, Rabbi Nachman, an example for this. There's a lesson called 215, Resh Tetvav, in the Kutim Ran. There, Ibn Nachman talks about the power of one Sadiq in a generation who knows how to do what's called a Pidyon. A Pidyon is a redemption, but not any redemption. There's one Sadiq in every generation who knows how to do a Pidyon, a redemption, to be effective in all of the 24, what's called Batei Dinim, in heaven. There's 24 heavenly courts. It seems they correspond to the 24 hours of the day. Each hour having a different court over them. So sometimes a person could be having his case judged in one court and he gets a tzaddik to help him, but he, the tzaddik helping only knows how to work in a different court. He doesn't know how to help in this court. Only in court number 19 and not court number 12, whatever. There's a tzaddik who has access to all 24 heavenly courts and can easily shift and apply a, rem- a redemption to help this person in any of the 24, okay? <coughs> but, Rabbi Nachman says there, not every day does heaven get a redemption done by this tzaddik to be activated in all 24 courts. Even the tzaddik himself, he can't always do it. 
at specific times that he's able, this unique tzaddik who knows how to do it, can't always do it. The specific times that he can do it. So it doesn't come up to heaven every day. So he says there, Rabbi Nachman, that heaven sometimes, they make a decision. Here, this tzaddik is activating a, a redemption for all 24 courts, for let's say for a specific person who's sick. There's a person who's dying, and family members came to this tzaddik, doing, bringing the redemption money, it's involved with giving money, he says they're not lesson. They come giving the redemption money to help the sick person, but at the maximum level, that this tzaddik can activate a a pidyon, a, 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 a redemption in all of the 24 courts, so there's no, there's no, like, there's no way to escape. That if his case is being judged in court number two, he can go to court number two. If it's court number eight, he can go to court number eight. He can make a, a, a redemption that can work in all 24 courts, even simultaneously. He can do it in one shot. Not a problem. So for heaven, Rabbi Nachman says there, it, such a redemption doesn't come to them every day. So they begin to think, wait a second, this redemption is so powerful, why limit it? and use it only to help this specific individual. It's true, his family care for him, and they're bringing the redemption to help him. But it can be used for something far more greater. And he says, for example, what? For making converts into the world. Bringing in people to convert. In other words, that the light of Hashem should be spread much more into society, into humanity, so that more people wake up and come back to Hashem, Sometimes in heaven, they consider this to be more important. And it's a time right now where this can be useful and much more beneficial than saving this one Jewish life. He's a Jewish life. We need to help him. Yes, understood. His family made the risk. The, they put all the effort to bring the redemption money to this tzaddik. Okay? But in heaven, they say it's far more beneficial even for this person who's sick and dying. It'll be far more beneficial if the name of Hashem is spread more into the world, that more peace and harmony is brought into the world, and then this sick person, because the awareness of Hashem is enhanced in the world on a general level, he also can benefit from it. So they decide to take the redemption and instead use it, instead of using it to heal, heal that person, they use it for something higher. This applies, Rav Nosin, he says, this attitude applies for anything done by a Jew, anything done by a person to come close to Hashem. You are doing it for a specific reason that's killing me. It hurts me. I want this to be rectified. So you're davening and doing good and doing acts of tzedakah and good deeds and Torah and tshuva and your intent is to fix this area that my kids should do tshuva, that they should work out and they should come back to Hashem. But now it's heaven's decision you're doing something so good, so powerful, are we going to use it for this specific area? Or are we going to take it and use it for something which is much more beneficial, that everyone will benefit, even your children, Bezat Hashem, if this is activated. So we would rather use your good for the higher benefit of the world, Bezat Hashem. You would think that's not fair. But in heaven's eyes, in the end it will be fair, because much more benefit will be spread out and benefited by the world bringing the name of Hashem to be spread more. When that is done, better chances of redemption, better chances of Mashiach coming. When Mashiach comes, there's no need for people to be sick or far like they are until now. There'll be an open awareness of Hashem. So that's always the rule. That a person has to do good. He may have it that, yes, his specific 
request will be answered and will be dealt with, or from heaven they'll take it for something higher. But it's not lost. It's not now thrown out and a waste of time, God forbid, and just wasted. It can be used, Bezat Hashem. So Tikkun Akali, it would make sense saying it for other people. Even in Breslov, <coughs> there was a person who was killed in the Holocaust. His name was Rav Mordechai Sokolover. He was from the city in Poland, the village called Sokolov. He was a Dayan. He was also a Dayan, means like he was a, a judge in the rabbinical court. So he was fluent in Halakha, in Torah law. So he was once asked, can somebody make somebody else a messenger for them to be by Rabbi Nachman's grave and to recite the Tikkun Aklali for them? Okay? In other words, I'm, I'm coming on behalf of somebody else to say for them the Tikkun Aklali. Can that work? Is that valid? Does that count? Can that, be, can, can that count as being activating the rectification for the person who can't make it to, to, the, to the grave of Rabbi Nachman and saying the Tikkun Aklali? He answered, yes. He said this, technically, if now a person has made a shaliach for that other person, then his reciting Tikkun Aklali for them can be counted as if it's, it's, it's being said actually for them. You hear that? This was ruled like about 100 years ago, less than about 90, 80 years ago, he ruled this halachic ruling that it's valid to have someone say the, the Tikkun Aklali for you. But again, it doesn't match being there yourself. Being there yourself is the spitz. Having someone else to, to say it, Bezat Hashem, on your behalf, <coughs> that could also be of benefit, God willing. Bezat Hashem. Okay, so listen. Uh, hi, you just came at the end of the class. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. But it's okay. You can hang on a little. We finished now lesson 205. We're going to continue the next class. If you can have ready and accessible, Likute Moharan, part 2, lesson 92. Okay? Part 2, lesson 92. In there, Rabbi Nachman is going to conclude and add more points on the idea of the 10 types of song. Unbelievable ideas. He's going to go showing proofs how each type of the 10 types of song, Ashrei, Bracha, Maska, we didn't go into this really. We didn't go into detail all the 10 types of song. We went into this lesson 205. Ibn Nachman, he just expressed how the language of three examples of the ten types of song, how Ashrei is the exact opposite of the Klippa, the evil force, she's called Lamed Yud, Lamed Yud Tav, right? L-I-L-I-T-H, we don't say her name, right? So he explained how Ashrei, which means sight, Ashurenu, Ashurenu, it's like from the blessing of Bilam in Parshat Balak, he says, Ashurenu velo karov. I see it, but it's not yet. At the very end of the blessings of the prophecy of Bilam in Parshat Balak, he says this wording, Ashurenu, which happens to be grammar, 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 grammatically similar to Ashrei, which means fortunate. But he teaches, he shows Rabbi Nachman what he saw, that how Ashrei and Ashul, which means seeing, is the opposite of the blemish, where her blemish, to get man to fall, is through blemished sight, by seeing immoral, illicit pictures, 
That's what causes damage of this seed, of wasted seed. So Asher is the counter of that. And then he brought the example of Maskil. We said Maskil is an intellectual song. Can also be Meshakel to make bereaved. Okay? And then he went into Hallelujah. Right? Hallelujah is the opposite of her. Because she's always Yelala. She's always what's called letting out like screams and, 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 and howling out of depression and sadness to get a person to be trapped. Right? <coughs> so, 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 so this is a, this is what he brought down in this lesson here in 205. But in lesson now, God willing, it's 92 part 2, he's going to go into detail showing verses proving <coughs> sorry <coughs> proving how each type of song can counter and subdue the blemish of the ten types of song it's going to be amazing it's going to be detailed and it should help people God willing to you see the more <coughs> the more you um, the more you uh, I'm sorry about this the more you uh, value the power of the Tikkun Akhali, the more you believe in it, the more you believe in it, the more <laughs> your saying can be for, more far-reaching. You have many people saying the Tikkun Akhali. For all of them, it accomplishes a lot. But the person who believes in what he's saying, so it makes sense that his belief in what he's doing, the Tikkun Akhali, enhances the power benefited from it. Everyone's saying it, there's a minimal benefit, and the minimum is big, big time. But it's multiplied. It's, and you see, in, Ju in Judaism, there's this concept that there's endless levels. There's end you can never say, I did something at the maximum. You can never say that. Because Hashem is infinite, and His kindness and goodness is also infinite. Okay? So because of that infinite levels, you can do a devotion, and there's infinite levels of how you do it. There is a minimal level, which is already much greater than anything in this world. But even much greater than anything in this world, there's even levels to that, God willing. So when, when a person has his imuna in what he's doing, it enhances it. And that's the purpose of, of what we're learning here. By learning more of the power of the Tikkun Akhali, it's number one, to help you to be committed to saying it. And number two, God willing, to have Bezat Hashem more power of results by saying it, God willing. Okay, so we'll stop here. Thank you for coming. And Bezat Hashem will continue next the next class with lesson 92 of part 2 of the Kutei Moran. Alright? And again, always if anybody wants to contact me, so <clears throat> you have the email address, it's uh, breastoftherapy, B-R-E-S-L-O-V, therapy at gmail.com or by WhatsApp, 1732 800 1863.